John Casella. What would you think about finding our artifact for us this morning? Sensing there's something. There's something there. Excellent. Does it look old? Does it look ancient? Thank you very much. It's petrified. Weighs a ton. There's actually a little bit of a story behind that because Melissa asked by email this week, what did the candles for the Sabbath look like? And I wrote back, knowing some things that I know, and I said, well, I think it was cylindrical, and it had a a piece of string sticking out of one end, and uh, it probably fit in some kind of holder, which I think was very accurate, actually, in terms of what these things looked like. I'm not sure that there was anything special about the candle itself when it came to celebrating the Sabbath, because what was special was not the candle itself, of course, but the event that the candle was celebrating and preparing people's minds for. It drew their focus to this special event that God had at the very beginning appointed to be something that his people would participate in and which would be of great blessing to them. And so today, our neglected treasure is Sabbath rest. And let me just say, isn't that a bit ironic considering the events from yesterday. If you don't know what I'm talking about, uh, in Pittsburgh, there were 11 people who were killed in a synagogue who had gone into a place, a sacred place, that for them would be a place of rest. And instead, they were gunned down. And there were, of course, many others that were injured. And it's a tragedy that something like that would take place. We suffer, I think, from our own versions of weariness. In fact, I would say that weariness is one of those things that has become a bit epidemic in society. <laughs> Excuse me. I've shared the story before of how uh, years ago, in 1977, in fact, on May, what is it, 3rd, Philip Sangster, who was a businessman in New York City, was, uh, he went missing, gone. They couldn't find any trace of where Sangster had gone. There was never a body found, no record, nothing of this man's demise. His wife never knew whether he lived or he died. There was only one piece of possible evidence that indicated anything about Sangster. And that was that on his desk, there was a post-it note. And on the post-it note, it simply said, I am very weary. 
And so did he take his life? Was there foul play? Or did he just slip away from the pressures of life never to be seen again? People do this, of course, all the time. Um, I've heard about a number of people, even in ministry, who suddenly just go AWOL. They're gone. And people wonder, what in the world happened? Where did they go? And there's no indication that anything negative happened in terms of, again, foul play. They're just not there any longer. And people wonder, what in the world has happened? And, of course, it happens in all walks of life that these kind of things take place. Where do these people go? What happens to them? I don't think it's the rapture, but people sometimes just slip away, and it may be because of the pressures of life. And so today, we're going to talk a little bit about something that I think is intended by God to be a remedy for all of that. We're going to talk just a little bit about the Sabbath. There's some things that we know about the Sabbath. For example, we know that Saturday is the Sabbath, the seventh day of the week. And we know that from the very beginning, God set this aside. We also know that it was intended to be a time of rest. The idea was that people would rest from their labors in the same way that God rested from His labors when He worked. And there's something about that that's interesting. He made the world, but I don't know that God in making the world got too tired. I'm not sure it really wore God out to make creation. And still, he decided to rest, and in fact, implements rest for us. We also know that the Jews were commanded to keep the Sabbath. And so it was something that they're supposed to do. God commands them to do so. It's in the Ten Commandments, etc. And then you probably think, either we as Christians don't have to keep the Sabbath, which is interesting, an interesting idea. I don't know if you know this or not. There are some Christians who do think that we need to keep the Sabbath. In fact, many Christians would say that Sunday is the Sabbath, and so we're supposed to keep the Sabbath. Or you think that Sunday has become the Sabbath, and that's why we worship on Sunday. And I'm going to say this morning that I'm not sure either one of these are actually true. We'll have to think about that a bit. I think there are some things that we have right about this. I think there are some things that we really have wrong about this. So let's look at a few of these and see some things about this neglected treasure, the thing called Sabbath. We know that this comes from, ultimately, the root in the Hebrew for the word seven, the word Sheba. And that word is connected to seven, therefore to Saturday. And so the Sabbath rest, it actually says in Genesis 2, 2 through 3, uh, I think we're going to see this here in just a second, yeah, that it's the seventh day that God creates. It doesn't say the Sabbath in the very beginning. It just says the seventh. By the seventh day, God had finished the work he'd been doing. So on the seventh day, he rested from all his work. Then God blessed the seventh day and made it holy because on it, he rested from all the work of creating that he'd done. Again, the word Sabbath isn't actually found here. This simply says the word seventh. But then if you go here, Exodus chapter 16, verse 22, on the sixth day, they gathered twice as much, two almost for each person. You remember, this is the story of the manna coming down. And the leaders of the community came and reported this to Moses. He said to them, this is what the Lord commanded. Tomorrow is to be a day of Sabbath rest, a holy Sabbath to the Lord. So these two ideas get combined for sure. The notion of rest and the notion of the seventh day come together in a significant way in Exodus 16. Then in Exodus chapter 20, this becomes this strong Ten Commandment. Remember the 
or one of the one of the Ten Commandments. Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you should not do any work, neither you nor your son or daughter, nor male or female servant, nor your animals, nor any foreigner residing in your towns. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea, and all that is in them, but he rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. And of course, by this time, this had been happening for a long time. He reaffirms the commandment of the Sabbath, but the Jews were from the very beginning supposed to keep a Sabbath day and to keep the rest before the Lord. So this is not anything new. In many ways, it's just a a reaffirmation of what's already been there. One of the things that for sure is that God took this very seriously. But think about this. God made it, this seventh day, the Sabbath, part of the Ten Commandments. Do you think of some of the things that are in the Ten Commandments? Things like, there is one God, you worship Him only. That's pretty serious stuff. And then God puts this in amongst those commandments, apparently making this pretty serious. And then it actually gets ramped up. Look at this next passage. Observe the Sabbath because it is holy to you. Anyone who desecrates it is to be, what does this say? Put to death. Those who do any work on that day must be cut off from their people. For six days, work is to be done, but the seventh day is a day of Sabbath rest, holy to the Lord. Whoever does, not, or whoever does any work on the Sabbath day is to be put to death. The Israelites are to observe the Sabbath, celebrating it for the generations to come as a lasting covenant. It will be a sign between me and the Israelites. And then he says, forever. That is interesting. I don't know how many of you have ever thought to yourselves that the Sabbath is Sunday and that things just switched over and then also thought about the idea that those who are God's people are supposed to keep the Sabbath and death is the punishment if they don't. We sometimes say to people, you should come to church on Sunday. I don't know that we have ever used this as a motivation. The elders have never sent out an email saying, And by the way, if you don't show up on Sunday, we're coming to your house on Monday with stones. That's not been said. So I'm not sure that we need to think this of this exactly the way the Jews did, but, but it just staggers me that the Jews would even think of it this way. Like we have stories in the New Testament of Jesus riding in the sand when a woman is caught in adultery, and they were going to stone her. We know that if you claim to be Messiah, that they will stone you or crucify you. We know that if you preach a new Messiah, they'll take and stone you. They certainly did that with Paul. But I'm not sure how many of us were aware that God takes so seriously this notion of Sabbath that He actually says that they were to be put to death if they didn't keep the Sabbath. Well, that's all probably, in some ways, now that I've thrown that at you, a little bit confusing. 
and staggering perhaps, especially again for those who may think that Sunday is the new Sabbath. So what do we do with this? And that's kind of my next question. So if this is a neglected treasure, what should we do with the Sabbath rest today? Well, first of all, I'd say that there are some things that are pretty obvious. First of all, of the Ten Commandments, keeping the Sabbath day holy is the only one not specifically restated in the New Testament as something to keep. I don't know if you're aware of that. It's pretty easy to find the other nine commandments in the New Testament, reaffirmed for those who stand in Christ. You will not find this one, however, restated in the New Testament. That's interesting. Makes me wonder why. And then the second thing is that we know that Jesus did something very different with the Sabbath than what the Jews traditionally did with it. So it wouldn't surprise me if we end up doing something different in terms of this whole putting to death thing, because Jesus certainly did something different with the Sabbath than what we typically think of. So I want you to turn to this passage, Mark chapter 2 in your Bibles. It's on page uh, 708. Because you might well say to yourself, Kelly, I have never heard of the idea that any Christian was ever put to death for not worshiping on certainly the Sabbath, but then not on Sunday either. Even though the Old Testament made that so clear. So what's going on here? And there is something that goes on, and I would say that it's partially at least this from the mouth of Jesus. One Sabbath, Jesus was going through the grain fields, and his disciples walked along, and they began to pick some heads of grain. The Pharisees said to him, look, why are they doing what is unlawful on the Sabbath? What are you thinking the Pharisees are going to do? What are they thinking they should do? What are they doing on the Sabbath? They may have begun to pick up some stones. He answered, have you never read what David did when his companions were hungry and in need? In the days of Abiathar, the high priest, he entered the house of God and ate the consecrated bread, which is lawful only for priests to eat, and he also gave some to his companions. Then he said to them, and these are the words that come in the end of this text, the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. So the Son of Man is Lord even of the Sabbath. Now that's interesting. We may have to negotiate around a little bit to figure out exactly what Jesus is trying to say, but clearly he's trying to say that there is some new relationship that he brings to the notion of Sabbath than what was there before. Now I want you to look at this passage, Mark chapter 3, verses 1 through 6, same page. Another time Jesus went into the synagogue and a man with a shriveled hand was there. Some of them were looking for a reason to accuse Jesus, so they watched him closely to see what he would heal, whether or not he would heal on the Sabbath. Jesus said to the man with the shriveled hand, stand up in front of everyone. And when Jesus does that, I think he's clearly trying to make a point. Then Jesus asked him, which is lawful on the Sabbath to do, good or evil, save life or kill? But they remained silent. And it's interesting, he says at the end, kill. Because that's what their law would have had in mind. So he looked around at them in anger and deeply distressed at their stubborn hearts, said to the man, stretch out your hand. He stretched it out and his hand was completely restored. Clearly for Jesus, keeping the rule of making the Sabbath day holy and not resting on that day was not for him 
the same kind of priority, and I say the same kind, I think it was still a priority, but not the same kind of priority that it was for them. In fact, there was something of higher value for Jesus right at that moment than keeping the Sabbath, which was for them a capital crime. So what is it that Jesus is now asserting is more important than a capital crime for which people could be put to death? Whether it was do not murder that actually in the Sermon on the Mount becomes do not hate or don't commit adultery that becomes in the Sermon on the Mount don't even look at a woman with lust in your heart or don't swear by an oath that becomes in the Sermon on the Mount, simply tell the truth, there is a new principle. And the new principle that Jesus is going to assert, I think, is something like this. That Jesus saw that behind and within the Old Testament commands, including the Ten Commandments, there was a lifestyle and an attitude of the heart that needed to reflect God's will in our lives in a way that simply keeping commandments could never do. And in fact, in terms of Jesus, if one doesn't have this, then the punishment is capital. Because what Jesus desires of human beings as they come to him and reflect on who he is and are impacted by his will and transformed by his spirit is a new heart. And if there's no new heart for Jesus, that's the key. So what's the central idea then of Sabbath? Well, how do we normally characterize Sabbath? If I said to you, let's take a Sabbath... What would you say? What would be the response to that? Let's take a Sabbath. And we tend to think of rest. Absolutely. But I'm not sure that even for the Jews, the notion of rest was the key and core idea that went along with Sabbath. There's certainly in value in this. Like, it was good that they would not work all the time. It's good for us to not work all the time. I think the part of the reason, at least, that God implemented the Sabbath was so that we wouldn't work ourselves to death. He knew that we needed some downtime. But even more than our physical well-being, God did something with the Sabbath that was for our spiritual well-being. So that Sabbath-keeping was more than just for rest, physical rest. It was more than just a limitation on how far one could walk on one day or how whether or not you could feed your animals, whether or not you could heal somebody who had a withered hand, whether or not you could pull your oxen out of a mud hole. It was intended, I would say instead, not to hem humankind in, but instead to free us for God. That's what God wants out of Sabbath. That's why it's so serious. That's why to not participate in Sabbath now is also punishable by death. But not, of course, at the hands of human beings, but by the one who wants to set us free. 
And if we don't allow God's freedom to exist in our lives, if Jesus doesn't set us free, not only from our sins, but set our hearts free to worship and honor him, then there is a kind of death that ensues. It's exactly the opposite of what God wants for us. And so he established, even for us, a sense of Sabbath. I would say that Sabbath, in some sense, should still be done. But what's it about? It's about holiness. It's about a heart that goes, gives, is given over completely to the Lord. It is about devotion. And whether or not God completely receives our hearts. And therefore is a giving over of the self to the Lord. So we could say something like this. Kelly, are you suggesting that we are to keep a Sabbath day as a day holy to the Lord? Has Sunday become a new Sabbath day for us, but on a different day with a new meaning? Is that the point? And I would say no. What I am saying is that Jesus... Instead of one day, wants what? Church. He wants our whole lives. He wants our whole hearts. That's what Sabbath keeping is really about. To not murder becomes don't hate. To not commit adultery becomes don't even lust. And to keep the Sabbath means this. That we make every day an offering to God. That we give Him every single moment. A second ago, I had on the screen this. The Sabbath is about these things. That God wants every moment of our day. Now that looks then like He wants our whole lives every second. And certainly He does. But isn't there something also special about special moments? Doesn't God want some special moments from us as well? And we don't often give, or not often enough, give those special moments to the Lord. We're probably way too distracted by the things of the world and not captivated enough by God. And if we were captivated by Him, we give our hearts to Him, we give our lives to Him. And then we also give those special moments of even Sabbath rest. And so I'm not sure that Sunday is at all the day of the Lord in terms of special Sabbath. We do give ourselves to Jesus on these days. He does call us together to worship and to honor Him. But what He wants more than anything is for us to give our hearts to Him all the time, and then on certain occasions, perhaps when we need it most, to give special moments to Him. There are some of you who suffer from weariness. There are times in our lives when we are tired and things weigh us down. A couple of weeks ago, there was a young mother here in our church who was crying on Sunday morning. There were some people around her, talked with her a bit, consoled her some. And if I had to sum up what it was that was happening in her life at the moment, I would say that more than anything, right at that moment, she was simply weary. And it was really important that we be around her, that the church stand by her, that people console her, that they bless her and hold her up. It's not easy 
being a young mother all of the time. It's not easy sometimes being alone, trying to take care of kids. It's not easy sometimes having mountains of responsibilities. But when I think about the notion of Sabbath, it seems to me most likely that what this young mother needs more than anything else is not just the things that we supply and provide with solace. Instead, it seems to me what she needs more than anything else is to come to the one who said that he would help her carry her burdens, that he would help the one who is weary, and that he would give her what? Rest. And from what I can tell, he's the only one who is ultimately going to give her rest. We can be there for a young mother in so many ways. But just like the rest of you who grieve in all kinds of ways in your own lives and find yourselves weary, let me just say this morning that I think the only one who ultimately is going to supply what you need is Jesus. I think that's the case. And the Sabbath rest that he calls you to ultimately is the giving over of your heart completely to him. And in doing so, the rest that he wants to supply you through the presence of his spirit has the opportunity to actually come. So where are you today when it comes to Sabbath rest? Well, I hope, I hope you're not actually thinking that you came today to fulfill a command. Meet on Sunday, it's the new Sabbath. I hope you didn't come for that. What I hope is that this coming together today will contribute to the rest that you receive from the Lord. A rest that God constantly wants to fill us with through the presence of Jesus. And so if you're hurting today in some way, let me just say it's Jesus who is ultimately going to supply the rest that you need. I think there is no other source for rest than Him. And so if you're hurting in some way, if there are burdens that you bear, if things are weighing you down, and if you're thinking what I need more than anything is rest, it is to Jesus that you're going to have to go ultimately for that rest. And those special moments of time spent with Him are those times that can sustain you when nothing else can. We need those, and God is ready to supply them. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, you have called us to a, a different commitment to you than those who went before. And we put ourselves in your hands not because there's a command that says, do so. But because you're the only one who really supplies rest. And so help us to seek you for Sabbath rest. And we're grateful that through your spirit, you grant to us that privilege of coming to you so that we can be one with you and sense your presence. And that even in those special moments, when we set aside time and are simply with you, that in those moments especially you bless us and give us your peace and rest. Help us to, to live there. Let our lives be one big Sabbath of rest in you. We pray through Jesus.
Amen. You know, in all of the time that we were getting ready to move to Japan uh, and fundraising and then in Japan, both terms, so I'm talking about a span of 20 years for all of that, uh, a lot was given to us. People gave a lot of money to send us. People opened their homes for us. They shared pulpits at many different churches so we could present. But one thing that was never given was Sabbath. That was something that we had to learn as a team and as a family to take and to protect. Uh, otherwise, we would have burned out again and again. Uh, and I think about Sabbath. It's really interesting in Exodus and Deuteronomy, two different rationales are given. Do you know that? In Exodus, it says, because the Lord your God created the heavens and the earth in, seven day, in six days and then he rested, therefore, keep the Sabbath. Be holy like God is holy. Participate in his nature. In Deuteronomy, it says, remember that the Lord your God brought you up out of Egypt by his mighty hand. Therefore, keep the Sabbath. God rescued us, and we're not slaves, not even to our work, not even to each other's expectations. It's pretty awesome. 